0: Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, we hear that you are a God who is both far off in your greatness and who comes near in your kindness. As it's been said long ago, the Lord sits high and he looks low. Would you come and look upon us and teach us as you have made clear that you are so ready to do? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Um, I just want to talk with you for a couple minutes about the struggle. The struggle. The meta-struggle. It's part of your life. You might know it. It has its own form for you. I don't know what it looks like for you this morning, but I am quite sure that you are a participant in the struggle. It's not easy to be a human. Just in case you you had somehow missed difficulty in life, I'm going to let you know it's not easy to be a human being in this world the way that it is. There is struggle that we each deal with on a daily basis and then on a more periodic basis. There are parts of our lives, seasons in our lives that are characterized sometimes by victory and sometimes by struggle and sometimes by defeat. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know enough of you to know that I'm not wrong about this. So a couple things as we think about the struggle as we listen to the scriptures this morning. Uh, Three things. They all come in the form of imperatives. I don't actually like to phrase these things that way, but it works this way. Um, Don't be surprised. That's number one. Number two is we're going to look to Jesus. And number three is we're going to look where Jesus looks. Don't be surprised. You know, you might think that after however many thousand years or tens of thousands or millions of years human beings have been around, we might have solved some of our most basic problems so we could get away with, uh, from things like families breaking apart, uh, like drugs ravaging communities, like wars decimating the entire world, like the whole environment appearing to collapse. Uh, apparently, it's not so. The prophet Jeremiah has even more dire warning for us than what we heard read a second ago. There are prophets, people who claim to speak for God, who tell you the false truth, that is the falsehood, about God, who speak dreams that lead people astray. Goodness gracious, what are we to make of a world like that? Where people who stand up in front of a group of folks on a Sunday morning or Wherever you are, lead you astray. God save us. You would think maybe that when Jesus comes, things might be different. He says this morning, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? It's an understandable thing, given that there once were some angels around the time of Jesus' birth that said things like, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. (laughs) Maybe, maybe this, But Jesus here says no. At least maybe not Immediately, maybe not right now, maybe not in your present experience, maybe not in such a way that the struggle is not real. The struggle is real. The struggle is real for Jesus, isn't it? I have a baptism with which to be baptized And I am in agony, or what does our translation say? Something like, how hard pressed I am, how great is my distress. There it is. It is hard on me, Jesus says, until this baptism that I am going through has been accomplished. I think in the modern world, we just need to remind ourselves that the struggle is real. Um, So in the mid-20th century, a lot of terrible things happened, uh, especially if your focus is on Europe, as I'm about to give you in this example. Uh, And uh, in the middle of the 20th century, when everything terrible was happening in Europe, um, there was not just many, not just one person, but this one person that I'll draw your attention to, uh, a French intellectual named Jacques Elou, who wrote a number of really interesting provocative cultural critiques uh, and theological examinations of what was happening with the churches in Europe that went along with the Third Reich. If you want to see that the struggle is real and that the, there are prophets who are prophesying dreams, there is, a, there is an example. And Elou had this to say. He said, look, in this world of progress, of modern progress, we are tempted to think even in the church that somehow we've arrived at the age of glory and just with a, with some political movements that use our social power that we've learned through democracy, because goodness, we've just been blessed with this, we can accomplish such great things. And Elul says this, he says, church, let us not forget that the world is still the world. As Jesus lays it out in the Gospel of John, it is still, though beloved by God, it is still the place of darkness where there are spiritual powers, weighing down humanity. It might not sound like good news at the beginning, but it does sound like it corresponds to what Jesus has to say here. I uh, am reminded that part of the heritage of living in a liberal democracy like we do is the imagination that we might put an end to such terrors in life, in struggles, uh, through progress and through the right application of rights. Uh, and I don't I'm not going to solve that political issue, I'm not a a political scientist, but I um, was reflecting with some of you this last week on the recent Lambeth uh, meeting in the UK. Some of you don't know anything about this, a little bit of insider baseball, so if you're not interested, that's totally fine. Um, It goes like this. our bread, name of our church is Bread of Life Anglican Church, so we're part of a group of churches uh, throughout the world that call themselves Anglican, that come from the English Reformation, the reformations that happened in England during the time of Henry VIII, I am, I am, remember him? Okay, so that's the kind of heritage of our uh, weird um, group of churches that we're part of, and every so often there's a meeting of the churches and the Anglicans around the world, and they talk about things that they uh, agree about and disagree about, and one of those things, is shocker to you, I'm sure, is that um, not everybody in the world agrees about really significant sensitive issues like human sexuality and gender. And we saw in the Lambeth Conference um, a break, or not a break, I hope it's not a break, but we saw deep tensions, deep divides over this in the Anglican communion. But we're not supposed to be surprised that the struggle is real. If Jeremiah has told us long ago that, look, not even all the prophets in Israel were on the same page, that's putting it very nicely. Um, And if Jesus is telling us that there will be divisions in your household, lo and behold, should we be surprised that it's in the church? Probably not. Especially if you've paid attention, as many of us don't, um, to church history at all, like before now. Um, There's been a long story of this. There are many graces that God has given the church and the world, but unanimity... Is very seldom one of those. So all I want to say is don't be surprised. And the other two points go a little faster. So in the midst of struggle, which is real, about which we're not supposed to, be surpri- supposed to be surprised, what if we were to look to Jesus? What would we see? That's what Hebrews tells us, the writer of Hebrews, a person who we have no idea who he is, he or she. We look to Jesus, but that is what we are told to do in verse 2. And Hebrews calls Jesus two things that are interesting. Um, Our translation here says the founder and perfecter of faith. Other translations will read pioneer. The, The first of those words is something like the one who goes first. The one who goes first in faith. The one who walks first into a world that is full of struggle and division who is hard-pressed with suffering on account of it, but he goes first in an active faith. See, the, the good news of Christianity is not that we have a system of thought about how to handle the problems of the world. If you have paid attention, our systems of thought, whatever they are, don't make the problems of the world go away. But we do follow one who has walked through their darkest parts. And so when you are in your darkest parts of your struggle, you are not alone. He has been there. One of the most prolific writers in the New Testament, Paul, has this to say about his own experience. He says, I want to know Christ. Not know about Christ. I want to know this man. Of course, like everybody else in the world around Christianity at the early time would say, he's dead, you know, they killed him. They say, no, he's alive. I want to know him the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul is, I think, putting into practice what Hebrews has told us here, that the experience of suffering can bring you into the fellowship of the one whom the Father calls son, daughter. In any case, Jesus has suffered, and he is there with us. So as we look to Jesus and we look where Jesus looked, what does Jesus see? Hebrews has all of this language about running a race, running with endurance the race that is set before us. But he doesn't just say, Jesus is great, you should trust him and look to him, he'll forgive your sins. It's true. He says, consider how he ran, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And for the joy that was set before him endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. In the midst of suffering, Jesus looks through that and sees something on the other side of it, which Hebrews names joy, which is a word that can be empty if it's not fleshed out in your mind and imagination. What was this joy? Perhaps it was a return to the Father's presence, that in a world of suffering where you long to be with God, I know some of you long to experience his presence with you, What was it like for Jesus to sit down and sometimes pray and sometimes not hear anything? Ah, the joy that's set before him is he's going to be in the Father's presence. But what is the Father's heart for Jesus and for the world? It is to bring lost people to himself. It is the welcoming of sinners into his embrace. It's the making of peace. It's the ministry of reconciliation. And Jesus looks forward to this because he knows that his path is taking him to bring you and I to the Father. So to look where Jesus looks in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our struggle, is I think in the one hand to see that he is bringing the world to something that is good and that that happens, at least in his case, and maybe in yours, through suffering. Hebrews is telling us, though, that we have endurance. We have to pick up endurance. It's for discipline, in verse 7, that you have to endure. You have to endure, and it's actually meant for your good. It's meant for your training. God, in God's kindness, deals with you as children. Yesterday, as I think about training, I <clears throat> had two conversations yesterday about physical therapy, which is more than I normally have in a day, about physical therapy, uh, with two people going through physical therapy, both both out at Second Wind, where several of you um, came to serve your neighbors for three hours yesterday morning, and that was awesome. Um, but I had a couple conversations about physical therapy. And I was reminded of a time when I had to go through physical therapy, and my these brothers that I was talking with, we were going through the fact that you know, if you've ever had, like, a recovery from a back injury or a surgery, you know, the exercises that you're given to do in physical therapy are, are humiliatingly ridiculous. They're like, you know, stand on your back and lift your legs up like this. Or not stand on your back, let's lay on your back and just lift one leg up just a little bit like this. Or to do something small. It seems like how in the world could that make a difference? And yet it seems that as you do exercise in small ways, it produces a strength that you might not have realized that you could build in really small ways. One of the things that we in the modern world, who are many of you are very quite educated, congratulations, you are. One of the things that it's hard for us to recognize is that some things that we might believe or want to believe or say that we believe, Aren't something that you can really connect to until you learn in small ways to put them into practice. Hebrews says, Lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight pads for your feet. Very small actions. It's like getting up when you're tired and sore. There's just small things. You look forward to where you're going, you realize it's time to move. And so I just want to say thanks to those of you who, who exercised um, that service of your neighbors yesterday, that peacemaking work that we are called to do. Well, friends, as our God is with us in our struggles, uh, may he keep us in his care this week. In the name of Christ, amen.